What's up, you rabid NBA fans? Welcome to the BTC, Ball Things Considered, of course, podcast. My name is Michael Castello, a.k.a. Hush, a.k.a. Hoops Michael. Today we are going to be talking about the hottest duo team, whatever, in the NBA. Not the New York Knicks, even though the Knicks technically have a one-game longer win streak. Not them. We're going to be talking, of course, about the team in the title, the Washington Wizards, a.k.a. the Hot Zards, because that's exactly what they are right now. The Wizards have won six straight, their longest win streak since 2016-17. They've won eight out of nine. They're 25-33, and 33, which is not good, but it is good for sole possession of the 10th seed and a postseason spot. If you're in the play-in, by the way, I think what we're calling it is postseason, but not playoffs. So the Wizards are in the postseason. They're not in the playoffs. They'll have to win the playing games in order to make the playoffs. But yeah, this is the first time in eons since like their 6-17 and 17 start that they've officially gotten up to 10. They are a half game up on Toronto and one full game up on Chicago. They have neither tiebreaker, meaning they'll need a distinct record advantage on either and both teams in order to make the play-in. They're four games up on Cleveland with three games, all three games, left against the Cavs, which means probably not striking distance, but if you go 0-3, it's ugly, and you can really get some wins against a team that's 13th in your conference and like get that clear distance, you know, games you should win and games you have to win. So those will be important. Their first game against Cleveland is on Sunday. They have one game before then. That's Friday. Both are at home against Oklahoma City on Friday. But I do want to say that six-game win streak is their first in 16-17, which was Isaiah Thomas's... Well, I'm really going to talk about Isaiah Thomas before the Wizards. That was the year that the Wizards caught the Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals, lost in seven games. Isaiah Thomas's near-MVP year, he was third finishing. John Wall hit the game winner in game six at home, jumped on the table afterwards, don't come to my city, wearing all black, talking about a funeral, because that's exactly what the Celtics did. That series was chippy, man. Kelly Olynyk and Kelly Oubre both fighting, getting suspended. We won't talk about which Kelly O won it for his team in game seven, because that's not important. But yeah, so those wins... I'm sorry, not wins. Those games, look at me getting ahead of myself, against Oklahoma City and Cleveland coming up on Friday and Sunday represent an opportunity for the Wizards to win eight games in a row should they take care of them for the first time since 2001, tying the longest win streak since they became the Wizards from the Bullets in 1996. Think about that for a second. Eight isn't that much. Right? So if they can get to nine, which is even crazier, we won't talk about that, but that was an eight-game win streak in 2001, which was Kwame Brown's rookie year, so they had been just picking number one overall. The leading scorers for that team were Michael Jordan? Horden? I don't know. He used to play for the Bulls, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, and Rip Hamilton, somebody that people don't realize was a wizard was a wizard just two years before he was winning chips in Detroit. And the only other player on that Wizards team to average 10, just 10, was Chris Whitney. Chris Whitney, come get your shine. We're talking about you in 2021. 
10.2 points he averaged, so he just barely broke double digits. Coach of that team, Doug Collins. General manager of that team, the last Wizards general manager before Ernie Grunfeld. Was Wes Unseld, the late, great Mr. Bullet, Mr. Wizard. May he rest in peace, and may his son come be our coach next year. Anyways, that's where the Wizards sit at. They're hot. We're going to talk about why. The first thing you notice when you talk about this Wizards run is not Russ over Beal, not Beal over Russ, but Russ and Beal. Russ has not been consistent like Beal, so he's more prevalent when you talk about this hot streak because he's getting better and it's translating into wins. Beal has been the same guy he's been all year, a league-leading scorer, very efficient, consummate pro, no holes in his offense, right? All of that. And he's like that game to game. But Russ, since the 6-17 and 17 start, he's really upturned it. And since that Brooklyn game, like he was going from not dunking. We were like, why can't Russ dunk, right? Not playing back-to-backs, turning it over a ton. He still leads the league in turnovers, but he wasn't doing anything to counteract that. He wasn't giving us any positives on the other end. That 41-point Brooklyn game where him and Beal hit back-to-back threes in four or five seconds to steal a win down five was a bit of a turning point, and I would say this is him getting up to full cylinders. He's averaging 22, 11.6, and 11.2 since that Brooklyn game, and on this nine-game stretch now, he's averaging 21, 14, and 13 on 45.6 shooting from the floor and 1.7 steals. His turnovers are still at a league-leading rate, but his assist to turnovers is nice. Right, so when you're super high usage like Russ, and Russ's usage is higher than Beal because of the facilitating, the running the offense portion, it's fine. Like twelve point eight assists, that cancels out turnovers. But assisted turnovers is stupid. They're not really opposites. So the fact that we compare them is dumb. But Russ leads the NBA in assist percentage which is really good. That's the amount of teammates' field goals that he's assisting like while he's on the floor, which means when Russ is on, everybody eats. And everybody has been eating for the Wizards. Let's talk about the efficiency. In points per shot attempt, which is exactly what it sounds like, pretty similar to EFG or true shooting, points you get per shot attempt, Garrison Matthews is 14th in the entire NBA. Davis Bertans is 15th in the entire NBA. Bradley Beal is, this is not a ranking, but a percentile. He's 80th percentile despite his crazy usage. He's 11th and he's leading the league. So when you're taking the amount of shots that Beal is and you're getting that many points per shot attempt, kind of validates the fact, right, that he's doing everything for you in terms of chucking up shots. Robin Lopez is 8th amongst all big men in points per shot attempts. And Robin Lopez leads the entire NBA in points per possession off post-ups. And he's doing that while being a metrically solid defender. We won't do the Robin Lopez section because there's a certain center in D.C. that warrants more shine and conversation. But Rolo, man, he's... (laughs) He's not horrific. 
you just he's not fun to watch. Put points per post up, man. He's taken kind of a ton of them. He knows his game. His hook shot looks ugly. It always looks forced and wrong and what the defense wants. And he leads the whole NBA by, like, a sizable margin. He won't lose it with a bad game or two. Rui, not great in points per shot attempt. We won't just talk about one stat at a time all the time. He was 20th percentile. Denny is 22nd. Denny, of course, his season ended a game against the Warriors with a hairline fracture in his right ankle. It's a six- to eight-week injury. Like, I know hairline fracture doesn't sound that bad. So six weeks from now puts us in the first week of May. Eight weeks puts us in mid to late. I'm sorry, June, not May. First week of June, mid to late June. So the Wizards will either need to make not only the play-in, but the first or second round, late first round, early second round, for Denny to have any chance. And even then, rotations are going to be tight, and he's not going to be all the way back all at once. So... Hats off to an up and down, but incredible flashes from Denny Avdia rookie year. As soon as Scott Brooks is out the door, Denny Avdia won't be used like he's Mike Dunleavy anymore or Ryan Anderson. And he's going to be so much fun. He can defend 2 through 4.5. He did a little bit of small ball 5 and rim protection over in Israel last year. He can play make, which is his best offensive skill, not shooting jump shots as a 50-something percent free throw shooter. But yes, Denny, the team is going to miss your switchability, your defense. It's going to miss your timeliness, your continue, continuosity. I don't know. Determination. He's always giving it his all, even when the shots aren't falling, and he's had a couple overnights. He's not afraid to keep going, which you love to see. He's so mentally strong for somebody who's the age of a one-and-done. And we really look forward to you. You are a building block. Get well, and we can't wait until next season for you. One other individual, the one who's not Robin Lopez, but who does play center, the Daniel Gafford section. Daniel Gafford deserves his own section. He has clearly been the third best wizard and the not second most thing, but second most warranted thing to talk about after Russ because Beal we just will always underappreciate and take for granted because of his consistency and greatness Daniel Gafford has been the clear third best player on a Wizards team that didn't have a third best player over these past nine games. Gafford has averaged 12.2 points, 6.1 rebounds, 2.1 blocks 0.6 steals and just 1.4 fouls in 17.9 minutes over nine games as a wizard those nine games are not the same nine games they've gone eight and one in this current most recent stretch because he went down with an ankle missed a little bit of time since the trade deadline but still nine games is tiny but those per 36s in addition to nice box scores are just under 25 12 and a half rebounds 4.2 blocks and 1.1 steals 5.3 stocks would lead the league by miles. And just 2.9 fouls and 1.8 turnovers for 36. But I don't think that we can just fall in love with those numbers. Obviously, per 36 isn't a great stat. But in addition to not halt the hype train, but understand the hype train with Gafford, over his career, he's averaged 5.2 fouls per 36. So 2.9 is 
scarcely half of that. So we need to expect his fouling to regress to the mean. And it's also important when we wonder why is he not both starting and playing huge minutes. He won't jump up to Wilt Chamberlain minutes. And his minutes are going to stay higher than 17.9, given sustained production like this. But he's not going to be that guy at center by himself. Still, every single thing he does, man. He had career highs as a wizard with 19 points and 10 rebounds against Golden State on Wednesday night in a huge win. He leads the entire NBA since the trade deadline in field goal percentage defended at the rim. Still a small sample size, but it's the same sample size as everybody else when you put a date like that since the trade deadline. Leads the entire NBA in block percentage since the deadline. 58th percentile in steals percentage to boot. On offense, 92nd percentile. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know if I said percentile on steals, but 58th percentile, so above average. As a big, that's nice. 92nd percentile in points per shot attempt, which is crazy. He was 96th and 93rd on the Bulls with more volume. So, yes, small sample size, but minor trend. His turnover percentage as a bull was awful, but it's gone from 13th to 76th percentile. All of these percentile stats, by the way, are per Cleaning the Glass. Great website. Recommend checking them out. They have a free trial. So if you don't like it, cool. But if you love it, you sink into it. Gafford has yet to take a shot outside of 14 feet, but he's still shooting 67.2% from the field and therefore from 0 to 14 feet. And that is fine efficiency. Like I said, his points per shot attempt is 92nd percentile, so if it ain't broke. He's 99th percentile in at-the-rim shooting percentage. And from 4 to 14, short mid-range type of shots, he's just about average, 43-ish percent from the field. Still, all of this is 18 minutes a game in single-digit games still. And it's worth noting that Gafford hurts the defensive rating of the Wizards by 3.0 points when he's on the court. It was 3.3 before the Warriors game, so clearly it can jump in big margins, and he's doing things hopefully right. But small sample size goes both ways. So even though that doesn't look good, the defensive rating points per 100 possessions are interchangeable. It's small sample size in a good way, right? Every other number suggests defensively that he's awesome and you watch him and he's awesome i strung together some clips on twitter the other day five straight defensive plays the five last defensive plays of regulation against new orleans pelicans he had three blocks forced two pass outs got several rebounds and several tip outs he had the biggest impact on all five plays and that ended up letting the wizards force overtime and win in overtime so he's not a for-sure stud, is how I'll conclude the Daniel Gafford phase, because you can't honeymoon a small sample size. You can't honeymoon somebody who hasn't done anything wrong yet. Yes, he's a lob threat, and he's the most athletic wizard and center since who knows how long. He's the best defending wizard since Marching Gortat, at least. But too soon to tell, but he's giving them a hell of a lot more in nine games than Troy Brown was doing in the entire season. No Troy Brown shade, but if Scott Brooks isn't going to play somebody, they're useless to you. And 
even if you're in a bad coach's doghouse, that's the doghouse. So a lot of production out of the center. Two bonus nuggets that I think go well here. Russell Westbrook already is officially Daniel Gafford's most assisting teammate ever. More than any Chicago Bulls player Gafford played with, Russell Westbrook has assisted him on his field goals in nine games. If that doesn't tell you who's hot, what this team is kind of doing to win right now, I don't know what will. And the other nugget, in Friday and Saturday's wins against the Pelicans and the Detroit Pistons, Daniel Gafford became the first wizard since Marching Gortat to have back-to-back four-block games. Marching Gortat wasn't a great defender, but that was a while ago. Let's leave it off there. I think, considering the rebounding and defense talk, those are two big things when it comes to the Wizards, that it makes sense now to talk about where they are as a team overall, what's been the trend and what trends have been bucked to go from a losing team to a winning team all of a sudden. So we'll run that with some numbers that stand out and have changed. So the Wizards are not a good rebounding team. They're 28th in defensive rebound percentage, but they're 14th in offensive rebound percentage. A lot of that is Russ being the best offensive rebounding guard in the NBA. But yeah, you would never call them a good rebounding team. Another thing worth noting, not related to rebounding, but defense. The defense of the Wizards has officially surpassed the offense. The Wizards' defense now on the year, not in this stretch, but they've been so nice lately that the defense is 16th while the offense is 24th per 100 possessions. That still has them as a minus 3.3 net rating, but defense has always been the problem. You know with Russ and Beal and, like I said, dudes like Bertans and Garrison Matthews and sometimes Rui will have a crazy night. They've got enough firepower on offense. Two stars is going to be huge in huge games, and if they make the playoffs, two stars is huge in the playoffs when you're game planning against the same team four to seven games in a row. So if the defense can be 16th and it's climbing, it was 19th just a couple days ago, so they're doing good things on that end, that is what's going to make them sustainable or not, is whether the defense is for real. Stat of the day comes on this team's defense. No team in the NBA is allowing less shots at the rim than your Washington Wizards. Full stop. Full pause. I don't... I'll just say it again because it doesn't make sense to me. Totally belies, I mean, everything that you watch with this team every single night. The Wizards are the team that allows the least shots at the rim in the entire NBA. A team with no perimeter D to speak of, right? A team with Beal and Russ as their guards. A team with Rui Hachimura playing wing, Davis Bertans playing wing. I mean, those are those guys are traffic cones. They're turnstiles. It's easier to get by the Wizards defenders than it is to get to the subway. It doesn't, I don't know. That amazes me, but that could be why the defense is, you know, 16th is the middle of the pack. That's mediocre. 
Wizards' opponents shoot more mid-range shots than any other team. That's good, right? Like, mid-range shots are the shots you want your team to take. So being first most is, or like 30th, would seem bad when your team's doing a lot of it. Other teams are doing a lot of it. But that's also awesome, right? I guess they're collapsing well because they don't have much rim protection, but they've got solid help D. I mean, outside of the perimeter, they don't have good help D, which means they must have good help D on the inside. So you want the other team taking mid-range shots, and the Wizards are forcing other teams to do that more than any other team. But those two numbers, like first and first in those, like what the fuck, Scott Brooks? How, like a stretch can't do that, make you the best team in the NBA at something, which means even when they were losing, they were nice with it. It's like, how do you start 6-17? and 17? I don't know. Team as a whole, we'll keep it rolling. Scott Brooks, you still don't deserve your job. First in pace, they were first in pace last year offensively. Relatively, though, their offensive rating improves in the half court. Everybody's offensive rating gets worse in regular play, like transition play, overall play, versus the half court. But the Wizards' offensive rating goes from 24th overall to 21st in the half court, which might be nothing, but... Games slow down in crunch time. Games slow down in the playoffs. Games slow down in big games. So for a team with the highest pace, maybe they can still do something. I mean, you got a Hall of Fame floor general, and you've got one of the best ISO scorers in the NBA, and you've got some shooters. Half-court defense goes from 16th to 19th, but rebounding goes from 28th to 8th in the half-court, which isn't a perfect consolation I mean obviously you're still letting up points but that's big I don't know what exactly that means maybe Daniel Gafford and co Robin Lopez is really slow Alex Len is really slow that's definitely a lot of it if you let them get back in the half court you got your big guys where you want them Davis Bertans isn't fast playing a lot of power forward Rui's not the best rebounder so he can't save them by himself hopefully Gafford keeps those numbers trending up Wizards are third in free throw rate, and that's not going anywhere. And that helps them win so much, man. But their opponents are also getting the third most free throws, you know. So third and third, and that's bad. But the Wizards have a plus 0.6 net free throw attempts. So, you know, we're, they're technically winning. You average that out over sample size, they're not losing the free throw battle. And Beal's their most free-throw-taking player, and he's shooting 89.8. He could get up to 48 right now, 35, 90, which is a weird, like, <laughs> cherry-picked number, right? But 48 is crazy for a shooting guard on his volume. 90 is crazy for anybody. We know he's a good shooter when it matters. The volume and the looks have just been worse this year. Comparing those numbers to the stretch that they've had this eight of nine game stretch is important because what's sustainable in six of the eight wins in these nine games the defense has outperformed the offense the exceptions are over orlando a team that was fully tanking orlando was the first game of the nine game stretch so this is really really close to the deadline so they didn't even have all their guys not too much stock to be put in that and the other one the only other one where the offense outperformed the defense was the win at utah and Utah didn't have anybody, but Utah's got the best record in the NBA. Wizards are 2-0 against Utah. They kind of smacked them both times. 
what, like, not final score, but they had double-digit leads in both games. They took care of business against them, and they took care of business against Brooklyn, and they split the season series against Phoenix, giving Phoenix its worst loss of the season. I don't understand this team, but I'll take high ceiling over predictability any day. I'd rather, I guess, have this than a 500 squad, right? Ceiling is the roof with these boys if you see them doing shit like that. And the one loss of these nine games was to Phoenix, at Phoenix. The defense slightly edged the offense, but both were horrific. And turnovers were non-existent on the Suns' end, on the Wizards' defense's end. Just three Suns turnovers all game is the least of any team in the NBA this season. It was a six-game longest of the season West Coast road trip for the Wizards. So you don't want to beat them to death too much. They're below average, but not 30th in forcing turnovers. The Suns just sometimes click. They're such a complete team. Chris Paul versus Russ is obviously a rivalry. The next biggest thing for the Wizards is shot location. Shot location is huge. They're forcing low rates of threes in these wins and even better rates of shots at the rim. And those are how you win. Like I was talking about, the amount of mid-range shots and the amount of shots at the rim that the Wizards allow and don't allow for their opponents is huge. You pick those, obviously, first and first over anything. That's what you want the opposing team to do. That's what you would pick with your eyes closed before the game every single time. It's like, I want them to take these shots. I don't want them to take these shots. And you live with the results. And they're eight games under 500, so it's not as simple as that. But that's something you have to maintain. That's the most important part to me about the Wizards' defense's success, and you have to keep that going. So I will give Scott Brooks and the Wizards personnel on defense some credit there. Absolutely mandatory to keep winning games. First thing I look at when I see how they've been winning these games. You just got to be thankful with this whole stretch that the offense wasn't carrying because whoo-wee. Below average at the rim frequency over the entire stretch. Below average three-point frequency over the entire stretch. Like 28th in the league. Bad. Mid-range frequency is 88th percentile. That's third to fourth in the league. Bad. Horrible. And the Wizards take more mid-range shots than any team. They're 27th of any team in three-point attempts and 25th of any team in shots at the rim. It's amazing that they get the buckets that they do. They take terrible shots a lot. Russ is example one, as good and awesome as he's been. He takes bad shots a lot. But not to defend him, he can't hit threes. So I guess you might as well take mid-range shots because it's a little bit closer. And he does use the bank, and he does use the high post well. He uses the post as well as any guard. But that's him and Rui are where a lot of mid-rangers come from, and Beal. And you trust those guys. They're fine mid-range shooters, but you can't lead the league in mid-range shots and expect to be a truly successful team. 27th and three-point attempts is the same thing. 25th and shots at the rim is the same thing. Those have to change. You have to be more aggressive. You have to get more efficient looks. That's what needs to change. It's weird to condemn the Wizards' offense and praise the defense. But that's what it's been, and it's gotten them eight wins out of nine. You have to continue to play defense, and you can't get complacent. 
the offense is still improving. And that's good. You don't want to be on your ceiling already. If the offense gets better and the defense stays the same, they're scary. I'm not going to predict them to even make the playoffs because they'd have to win two playing games, let alone advance in the playoffs. But there's a really high ceiling on this team, and they've got multiple stars, and Denny hurts so much to lose. But Bertans and Rui, these versions of them that we're seeing lately, they're solid third wheels. Who's was the third wheel third best player for the Lakers last year and they got it done obviously neither Brad nor Russ is either LeBron or AD but the Wizards don't need to win a championship it's just third best player isn't as necessary as you would think and the Wizards aren't in a terrible spot for that so they've got I wouldn't call it tremendous depth but they've got role players they're not too top heavy it's not like they can't win if Russ doesn't score, because Russ doesn't score a lot of games. And it's not like they can't win if Beal isn't doing everything for them, which is really, really ideal for the stretch run. One thing, though, to continue talking about the role players, the others, is Russ leads the NBA in assist percentage, which is good. Beal is 95th percentile. That's good. Ish Smith is 87th percentile. That's good. And he's 96th in assists to usage ratio, which is good. I mean, an understatement to say that's good. Combined, Russ and Beal are assisting on 70% of looks that their teammates convert while they're on the floor. And while that's amazing, it means that a lot of Wizards aren't the best in getting field goals unassisted. No Wizard besides Russ, Beal, Ish, and Robin Lopez is even above 50th percentile, above average, in percent of field goals unassisted. Gafford is 45th. Howell Neto is 46th. Rui is 41st. Denny is 21st. Garrison and Bertans, they don't matter because they're just shooters, right? But 16th and 2nd? That's, like, terrible. 2nd is damn near 0th percentile. That's Bertans, by the way. It doesn't matter, but it could matter. Bertans has been red hot. Top five floor stretcher. I was talking about this the other day with one of my co-hosts. Davis Bertans creates so much space to operate. I truly think even when his shot's not falling, he helps the offense so much. But when his shot is falling... You have to guard him from as far away as you have to guard anybody who isn't Steph. And it's comparable to Steph because he doesn't have the ball in his hands. If Steph doesn't have the ball in his hands, you're picking him up at half court, at least. Bertans isn't near there. Bertans, excuse me, isn't near Steph, but he is near half court in terms of where you have to pick him up. He chucks deep shots routinely. He probably leads the NBA in average field goal attempts distance from the rim. Because he never takes twos, and his threes are as far as anybody. Maybe Stefford Dame takes farther threes, but they take a ton of twos and get to the rim a lot. Pertans has range, and he shoots over 40%. I People were clamoring for Davis or Pertans to be traded. I never saw it. Even when his shots aren't hitting, he's good. And when his shots are hitting, he's lethal. Wizards... We should probably wrap here. 
because I don't want to get into speculating or talking about the playoffs too much. This is more talking about the on-court product and what the Wizards have done differently, what the Wizards do well, why the Wizards win games. We'll leave it with strength of schedule. How about that? The Wizards have 14 games remaining. Their strength of schedule is 24th. That's 24th hardest, 7th easiest. Chicago's is 5th hardest. Toronto's is 3rd hardest. Chicago has 14 games. Toronto has 13 games. It, I said in a pod about a week and a half ago when Wizards were 12th that if you didn't expect the Bulls then 10 to make the play-in, it was because the Wizards, nobody else could really do it. I think now they're the odds-on favorite for the 10. Cleveland's strength of schedule remaining is 11th. Like I said, three of their 14 games remaining are against Washington, which makes or breaks them right there. Washington doesn't have to do too much to keep them at arm's length. The Wizards have their work cut out for them. We'll see what it's like now. They've been underdogs all year. A lot of that's self-imposed, self-inflicted by playing like shit. But different now the Wizards now almost control their own destiny they like do control their own destiny in the sense that they're the 10 they just have to keep the 10 they don't need any teams to lose they can win their games and get in but they've never been in the driver's seat they've never had to do this part yet and it'll be interesting to see if their feet let off the gas or if they continue punishing because they can drive they can get even higher if they truly, truly put the pedal to the metal and keep this type of play up. They're kind of close to Indiana. Two games behind Indiana, who is pretty lost for the ninth spot, and that'll be home court in the 9-10 game. Charlotte is getting LaMelo Ball back soon, but not yet, and Gordon Hayward is still out. Three and a half games behind Charlotte, and that's the eighth seed. Seventh seed is the Boston Celtics all of a sudden. They're not going to catch Boston six games back. But 10, yes. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I will predict it. I think the Wizards are going to be the 10 seed. The way they've played, they don't have to continue to win 88.8 repeating percent of their games. But they just have to not fall off a cliff. And the most unpredictable in the team in the NBA that's a lot to predict but there's just been way more positive than negatives lately let's call it this has been the BTC pod I have been Michael Castello follow me on Twitter at hoops Michael M-I-K-A-L check us out at ballthings.com ballthings.com slash podcasts specifically if you want to listen to our other ones we've got a bunch We make episodes constantly. I try to get articles or podcasts out or threads out because I do a lot of details on those when I make them. Every single day, I'm constantly covering the NBA. You love the NBA. You're here listening to a Wizards pod. Team's 8 below 500. Once again, thank you for listening. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. I don't know what the podcast things to say are, but it's like YouTube, right? Have a great day. Zards are hot.